Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Last weekend, John Maxwell kicked off a series that we are actually preaching with churches all across Florida called Awaken, calling us as followers of Jesus Christ to wake up and remember the greatest assignment and responsibility that we have is to tell people about the love and the message of Jesus Christ. Every one of us, every day, everywhere we go, right? Have you ever been given a really important assignment or responsibility? Maybe at work, uh, your boss or your supervisor gave you a chance and you were gonna prove yourself, right? Maybe it was uh, when you were a kid and your mom and dad let you be in charge and watch your little brother or sister and stay home or your first babysitting job and you wanted to prove yourself and be really reliable. I remember uh, one of the first times my mom let me stay home and, and watch my little sister, Noelle, and be in charge. And we were plenty old enough to do this and she probably wasn't gone very long, but man, I wanted to prove myself that I was reliable and so I remember my mom left and I wasn't just gonna watch Noel. I was gonna like clean up the kitchen, wash the dishes. I was gonna make my bed. And so I did all this work while she was gone. I got the kitchen looking good. I got my bed made and my bedroom picked up. And by the time mom got home, all that was done, but I had no idea where my sister was. <laughs> like I had completely missed the point of taking care of Noel. She was fine. She was in the backyard playing with our cat or something. But but I missed the point. My fear is that so many Christians are missing the point. We're missing our main assignment. The most important thing that Jesus is asking us to do and we're not doing it. So Jesus gives us this assignment. It, we read about it in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane when he's there right before he's gonna be betrayed and taken and crucified. He is praying to the Father and he's praying for you and me. He's actually praying for his disciples, and then he prays for those who would believe because of their testimony. That would be us. And then he, he says this in John 17, 18, in the same way that you, Father, gave me a mission in the world, I give them, my followers, us, a mission in the world. And then a few chapters later in, in John chapter 20, he's gonna look at his followers and he's gonna say, as the Father has sent me, look at that, now I am sending you. Think about why he was sent. Why, why did Jesus come to this earth? Why was he sent from the Father to the earth? What was his mission? Except to bring mankind into right relationship with God. It's why he came, it was his mission, it was his purpose, and now very clearly he's saying right here, that is your mission. This is your assignment. Don't miss it because you're caught distracted doing other good things. See, the most important thing that you can do if you are a follower of Jesus Christ is not read your Bible. That is not the most important thing because the early church didn't even have a Bible. The most important thing is not that you pray and prayer is important and actually believe the more you pray, the more you'll probably share your faith because you'll get the heart of God, but that is not the most important thing. As a church, the most important thing we do is not dig wells in Africa or feed children that are hungry in India or care for the homeless or the needy right here in our own community. No, no, no. That is not the most important thing we do. The most important thing that we do is share the love and the message of Jesus Christ 
tell people about Jesus and hope, share the gospel with them. Now, yes, we're gonna dig wells and we're gonna feed the hungry and we're gonna care for those in need because Jesus cares about them. Jesus loves them. And the the most loving thing that we can do (laughs) is share Jesus with them. In fact, the most loving thing that you can do is tell somebody about Jesus. In fact, it is the least loving thing you can do to not care about someone's spiritual condition. One of the least caring things you can do is not talk to somebody about Jesus and open up the door for God to speak into their lives. Parents, it'd be like um, if your kid was struggling in science or math and you kind of understood the equation and knew how to teach them so they could get it and you just go, nah, and you let them flunk the test. Or if your neighbor was sick with some disease and you knew the cure, you knew what would solve it and you're like, I'm too busy to go tell them about it. No, 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 we, we gotta... We gotta share with them, we gotta tell them, you have the cure, you gotta tell them. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, look at that, will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Think about it, someone told you. How would you ever know about the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God if someone hadn't told you? How would you ever know about this life that you can live that is full of purpose and a God-given destiny and, and you could know God in a personal way unless somebody told you? Who was it that told you? Who was that friend or that family member that, that told you that maybe invited you to church? And you showed up at church one day and you you heard a sermon like this and and it opened you up to the life that God had for you. (laughs) For me, it was my second grade Sunday school teacher. Now, my mom and dad, of course, had told me all about Jesus and my mom every night would read with Noel and I out of our, our children's Bible story book. But God used a children's ministry dream team member, (laughs) a children's ministry volunteer to touch my heart and help me know that I needed a relationship with Jesus. I don't even know that woman's name, but you know, she's a part of my story. She's a part of every sermon that I preach. Every time I counsel or pray with somebody, she's right there. She was a part of it. God used her because she opened her mouth and told me about Jesus. Who was it for you? Imagine if they hadn't shared Imagine if they hadn't taken the time to talk to you about Jesus or to pick you up and take you to church or invite you. Where would you be? See, the message of Jesus is the greatest message in the world. It's the message of grace. It's the message of hope. It's the message of life. But can I tell you, the message needs a messenger. The message, as great as it is, needs a, somebody's got to tell somebody. It's the greatest message ever told, but it's got to be told. Like somebody's got to, got to tell it. And can I tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are the messenger. Right here it says you are the messenger. Somebody is waiting on you. There's somebody that God has sovereignly put in your life. And they're waiting on you to, to tell them about Jesus. There's a, there's a popular quote that has circled around um, Christian circles. 
Maybe you've heard it. I, I've even heard it used in, in sermons before, and it's ascribed to St. Francis of Assisi. It says, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Have you heard that? Preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. Now, I think the intent behind that quote is good. It's saying that we need to live our lives in such a way that it points to God, points to Jesus, that it builds a platform for, for us to have a conversation, that we are walking the walk, right? But there's two problems with that quote. First of all, Francis of Assisi's never said it. And secondly, it's not biblical. Read your Bible. Jesus said, use words, right? Scholars that follow Francis of Assisi said it was inappropriately ascribed to him. They said that the man, Francis of Assisi, actually preached five sermons daily. So he used a lot of words, right? I'm not gonna preach five sermons a day. He used a lot of words and God wants us to use words. Yes, we should live our lives in such a way that man, it, it creates an interest in people and they, they want what we've got and it builds a platform for us to talk about Jesus, but we gotta talk about Jesus. See, if you're just nice and kind, they're just gonna think you're a nice, kind person. Like you're just really helpful. Like you just really take time to help people out, but that's not gonna get anybody saved. The message needs a messenger and you are that messenger. Now, now most of us would agree that we kind of know this, like we know we're supposed to do this, but a lot of us don't. The Barna's group just did a survey and they found that of all the Christians in the United States of America, half of the Christians have two or less spiritual conversations with somebody a year. Two or less a year. And that doesn't mean you're talking to somebody who's not saved. They're just not talking about Jesus, right? I don't want that to be said of us. We have an assignment. <laughs> We've got a responsibility. Now, now, some people have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Man, they just love to talk. Do you know people like that? They love to talk to people about Jesus. They can, they can run into the grocery store to grab a gallon of milk and some toilet paper, and they leave the stock boy and the cashier to Jesus before they get back to their car. You know? or, or they go to the mall, and people are finding Jesus in the food court. What? That's why Julie says she goes to the mall. I don't believe her. But that's not most of our story. Most of us, most of us, we, uh, we hesitate when we have that opportunity, right? We have a little, we freeze up when the opportunity shows up. It might be for a couple reasons. We might get afraid because we know we don't have it all together. Like we know us and I know that I'm still a work in progress, right? And so my life isn't all together. If that's you and that's the excuse you've used, welcome to the club. If I had to have it all together before I could preach to you, I wouldn't be preaching to you, right? God actually uses us and what we're going through and what we've been through, right? The truth is you're not perfect, but you are God's perfect choice to share this message of love and hope with somebody. God wants to use you. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter one, God helps us in our troubles so that we are able to help others who have all kinds of troubles using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. So what he helps you through, he actually wants you to help other people through. It's beautiful. We have a lady in our church named Kristen and she moved to Florida to, um, 
get some help with her addictions that she was struggling with. And she actually found the one that could set her free from all her addictions, Jesus, right? And so now, years later, she's walking in freedom and victory, but it's not just enough for her to walk in freedom and victory. She's helping other people find freedom and victory and walk into the life that God has for them. Now, Christian could have thought, wait a minute, I've, been, I've, I've made so many bad choices. I, I, have, I have chosen some things and gone down some paths that maybe just disqualify me from God using me. Have you ever thought that? Could it be that the very thing that you think disqualifies you is the thing that qualifies you to be used by God in a very specific place because you have been someplace and God has done something in your life that he's brought you through that other people are stuck in and he wants you to go back and help them get unstuck and move on in life. And God has qualified you and anointed you for that. And by the way, the only one ever bringing up your past is the devil. Jesus isn't bringing up your past. Jesus took care of your past. And I often say that if the devil keeps bringing up your past, it means he's just running out of new material. Hey, so tell him where to go. All right. So many of us don't share because we're afraid we don't have it all together. But the other reason that we don't often share our faith is because we're afraid we don't have all the answers. Like what if they ask me something in the Bible that I don't know? Dr. Maxwell hit that last week. He said, it's okay. You don't have to know all the answers. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, not my Bible scholars, right? He didn't say, you will be Bible teachers for me. He didn't say that. You'll be the Bible answer person. No, you don't have to you'll be a witness. A witness has nothing to prove. A, a witness has lots to share. You just, you just tell what you've seen and what you've experienced and what you know and what it, God has done in your life. Can I tell you, there are people that God needs you to witness to that I will never know. There are people in your school at your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, that may never darken the doors of our church. So you know what God did? God sent the church to them. He sent you. We are the church. He sent you into their life for a purpose. There is a reason you're at that workplace. There is a reason you're at that school. There is a reason you're in that family. There is a reason you're in that neighborhood or that apartment building. There are people sovereignly there that God has intersected with your life for a divine purpose for you to help them see their way home to God and, and, and to life. And you don't need to be afraid that you don't have all the answers because I don't have all the answers. And we don't need to be afraid because most importantly, we are not on our own. In the moment that Jesus gave this assignment to us in the Garden of Gethsemane, just a few days later, he would be speaking to his followers and it's recorded in Acts chapter one, it says this, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. I tell you, every time I'm reading and studying the Bible, it always comes back to the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized, covered, immersed with the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So a few weeks back, you remember, we spent a month talking about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. What he wants to do in your life how he wants to speak to you, how he wants to guide you, how he wants to shine his light on places of your life, helping you know which way to go. He wants to fill you and give you gifts and, and purpose, fill you with the presence and the power of God. 
But what I don't want you to miss and what I want you to see in this verse is the power has a purpose. The power, yes, you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, you are filled with that power to live the extraordinary, over-the-top, amazing life that God wants you to live. But that power isn't just for you. There is purpose in the power. It's not just so you can be in victory and you can be an overcomer. There's a purpose. It says here in verse 8, you will receive power and then you will be my witness. That's connected. Like you cannot dissect or separate those two things. You will receive power of the Holy Spirit and then so that you will be my witnesses. There's purpose in the power. Turn and tell somebody, there's purpose in the power. Purpose in the power. His Holy Spirit is gonna empower you to share your God's story. His Holy Spirit is gonna empower you to be sensitive to the needs of the people around you. His Spirit's gonna speak to you about the people that you need to talk to and what you need to speak to them about. He's gonna help you understand them, how to get into their world. Man, John, uh, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said his Spirit will actually fill your mouth with the words you need when you open it up to begin to speak it. So you don't need to be afraid. No fear here because the Spirit is here. You will receive power and you'll be my witnesses. Didn't say attorney, didn't say you got to defend something, didn't say you got to argue with people about their faith, doesn't say that at all. Don't do that. People that do that are misusing scripture. Be a witness. Be a witness. You've seen something that other people haven't seen. You know somebody that other people don't know. You got to tell them about it. You got to share your testimony. It says this in 1 John 5 10, those who believe in the Son of God, say it with me out loud, have the testimony of God in them. Do you know you have the testimony of God inside of you? You've got a God story inside of you. Don't you ever forget it. Your God story can be broken down simply into three simple parts. What was your life like before you encountered Jesus? How did you know that you needed Jesus? And what's the difference that Jesus has made in your life? Think about that, it's really simple. What was your life like before? How did you come to realize, I mean, I, I need God in my life. And then what difference has he made? What change has he made in your life? It's not complicated. It's, it's very simple and it's your story. Now, in addition to your salvation story, you have probably lots of other God stories in your life. Times that God has shown up for you when you needed him to show up. Times that, that he made a way where there seemed to be no way. You were walking through a struggle in a place where everything fell apart, but God was right there waiting on you, helping you through it. Maybe times of waiting. Times when you didn't get the answer right, what you expected when you expected it. How God showed himself sufficient and strong in those times. See, all of those are part of the God story that he is writing in your life and he actually wants you to be ready to share that with them. You know, when you think about it, people, people are uh, pretty uninterested in what a theologian or a pastor has to say. But everybody loves a story. Everybody loves a life story, a story of change. And movies are written about stories. Books are all about stories. People are engaged by stories. So just go tell your story. You know, the 85% of people that will come to faith in Jesus, it'll be through a friend or a family member. 
talking to them about the Lord. 85%. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on, on, on me. You will be my witness, Jesus said. Now that word witness goes a little bit deeper. In the original language, it's the word martis. And martis is where we get the English word martyr from. And martis, by definition, is one who sealed his testimony with his blood. So let that sink in for a minute. We're, being, we're called to be a martis, one who sealed. Think about who first sealed their testimony with their blood. Jesus. Jesus shed his blood on the cross. And what he did when he did that is he sealed his testimony of who he was and what he came to do by his blood that was shed. So when he calls us to be his witness, to be his martyrs, it's actually an invitation into the suffering of Christ. It's actually an invitation into something that is way more significant than leaving a little Bible track with your tip for the waitress or saying, God bless you when somebody sneezes. No, we got, we got a lot more going on here than that. Being a witness actually speaks of your identity. He, he doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, I'm calling you to witness about Jesus. He says, I'm calling you to be a witness, to be a testimony, to be somebody whose life and everything about, see, this speaks to the totality of your life, not about something you're gonna do this week or say this week to somebody. It's about how you live, how you think, how you treat your family and your friends, how you spend your time, how you spend your, it's all of it. It's all wrapped up in that. And you will receive power of the Holy Spirit to be that. You don't have to be that on your own. I can't be that on my own. But man, when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and we're giving him freedom to do what he wants to do, to change what he wants to change, to move how he wants to move, we can do whatever he needs us to do, right? Jesus says this to his followers in Acts and then they go to Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Spirit. And you've heard us teach on this many times. You have read it probably before in your Bible, Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, where the believers, 120 are in an upper room. And as they're waiting and praying day after day after day, the Holy Spirit blows through the room, fills the believers up with his presence. Now, before this, before this time, a week earlier, the believers are in another upper room hiding out, scared to death of the people in the street and the rulers in the street, that they would be associated with Jesus because they were afraid they just killed Jesus, they're probably gonna take our life too. So they're, they're scared, they're, they're hiding out. But now they're in a different upper room. And when they're in this upper room, the Holy Spirit shows up and, and fills them. And the next thing we see them doing is running out into the streets, telling everybody they can tell about Jesus. I mean, they're not scared of anybody. Peter's standing on the, on the, the, the Peter, the guy who denied Jesus to the little girl around the campfire or whoever that was saying, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I didn't know who he was. He's on the steps of the temple. I've been there. He was preaching to a crowd and 3000 got saved that day. The next, the next day they're, they're going up to the temple in Acts chapter three and they see this lame man that is sick and they say in the name of Jesus be healed. And he, he, he's raised up and he runs around the temple, causes a big commotion. Man, man, they, they throw, um, Peter and, and, and John in, in prison, in jail, and then they bring him in Acts chapter four before the leaders, and they say, stop talking about Jesus. And this is his response. Acts chapter four, verse eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, there he is again, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? 
Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state it. I'm going to use words to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. There is salvation in no one else. That had to be said. It's not like, oh, well, he's just one of 20. No, he, there's salvation in no one else. God has given him the name, given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who, look at that, had been with Jesus. So what happened? What happened? What what changed? I'll tell you what happened. The Holy Spirit happened. I'll tell you what changed is these same men, the same believers that were in one upper room, huddled and scared, got filled with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changed everything, gave them courage, gave them boldness. We need some boldness in the church today. We need some boldness in our lives today, in our faith walk today. Boldness, the definition of boldness is this. Boldness is a behavior born out of belief. It is a behavior that is born out of belief. What you believe will determine how you behave. Leave that up for a minute. What you believe is gonna determine how you behave. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's gonna do everything he says he's gonna do. If you believe that he is the living son of God who stepped out of eternity into humanity to bring us to God, to pay the penalty for sin so that we could, and he is the only way to spend eternity with God, to know God, to walk with God. If you believe that, it's gonna affect how you behave. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't believe that and just go on your merry way, living your life, buying stuff on Amazon Prime and just getting by, you know. It's gonna, it's gonna change you're gonna want you're gonna want people in on that. Like you're gonna to want to tell people, hey, I know something you gotta know. Like if you don't know this, it's gonna mess you up both now and for eternity. You gotta know this. Like, like if you if you see a good show on Netflix, right? You wanna tell people about it. Hey, you need to watch. I saw this movie, you gotta watch it, right? Girls, if you find a sale at the mall, you're like, it's 50% off, and 50% off, it's like free. You know, you're telling people, you gotta go, check it out, right? If you go to a restaurant and it's really good, you, you know, you, what do you do? You tell people, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Wait, the, oh, it was the best steak and oh, the chocolate cake, it'll change your life. And then we get talking about Jesus and we're like, oh. The one who can actually change your life. We don't, we don't want to offend them. We don't want to, don't want to like impose anything upon you or impose. I just need to be tolerant of your idea. Oh my gosh, give me a break. Now we can love everybody right where they are, but we're going to love them so much that we don't want them to stay where they are, right? We're going to love them where they are. We're not going to be rude and disrespectful to them, but we got to be bold and we got to, we got to tell them about how will they know unless you tell them. And can I tell you the reason that this is so important right now? The reason that now more than ever, we as the church have to wake up and begin to take on this responsibility and this assignment is that people are more desperate today than they've ever been. 
there is such a high level of despair and discouragement sweeping across people's hearts and lives because of everything that they've walked through. People need something to hold on to because everything and everybody around them is letting them down. They need someone who's gonna hold them up through life's ups and downs, somebody who's, who's always there. We know who that is. And guys, we are walking in to a season, the holiday season. You know, Christmas is right around the corner. Thank you very much. And people are more open to talking about faith in God during this time of the year than any other time of the year. I mean, you walk through the mall and they're playing the song, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap? I'll tell you what child it is. I know the answer. I know, I know, I know. It's Jesus, right? You know, you gotta, you gotta tell him. So what I'm praying for, I'm praying for a bunch of Holy Spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ that are full of the boldness and the courage of God, so bold that, man, we are just looking for a crack in the door so we can step in there and talk about Jesus. Oh, hey, what a beautiful day out. Look at the sun. Sun, that rhymes with sun, S-O-N, son of God. Oh, hey, let's, anything, man, any crack in the door, because I want to talk. People need to know about Jesus. So we're going to tell them about Jesus. And being bold doesn't mean being rude. Being bold doesn't mean being obnoxious and pushy and judgmental. No, that's not, that's not boldness. Just read your Bible. In fact, we have a lady in our church. Her name is Celeste Lee, and she goes up to our Jupiter campus. Hey, Jupe. Hey. Celeste is one of the most meek, mild, gracious, yes. kind. Like, I lean in when she talks, right? But she starts talking about Jesus. Man, there is something that gets in her, and man, she is one of the boldest, most fierce evangelists I've ever met in my life. I wanna be more like Celeste. I need to get a wristband, what would Celeste say? I need that one on my. So what do we do with this? Here's my challenge to you, I get two challenges, so that you can literally fulfill this great responsibility that Jesus has given to us, the most important thing that you and I are gonna do as followers of Jesus Christ, two things you have to do this week, and I would say every week and every day. First, you've got to pray. It all starts with prayer. Man, we need to pray for lost people in our lives. We need to pray for, if you don't even have a burden for the lost, you need to say, God, would you give me a burden for the lost people in my life? The lost neighbors that I don't even know their name. I don't know where they're going to spend eternity. Would you give me a burden for them? Would you help me to see them the way you see them? Would you help me to love them the way, the way you love them? Would you, would you help open my eyes to what they're really going through. The barista, where I grab coffee every day, the, the person at work, the, the neighbor, the friend, that family member, help me to understand that without you, they're literally gonna spend eternity separated from you. Friend, let me tell you, heaven is a real place, but hell is a real place as well. And God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose to go there when they resist God or when they don't know about God and they're distant from God. And so our job, is to pick up the mission of Jesus to help people find God, both for this life and forevermore. So it starts with prayer. In just a minute, we're gonna pray, and I'm gonna ask you to pray for that two or three people in your life this week that you're gonna be praying for that is without God. The second thing we gotta do is we gotta prepare. We have to pray and we have to prepare to share. You got to get ready, get ready, get ready. You got to get ready to share what God is doing in your life. You got to think through your God story. Like think through it. What was my life like before? What did God do in my life? What am I seeing him do in my life now? And I would challenge you to write it down. Like if you had a big speech this week at work, 
If you had something going on where thousands of people, you were gonna stand before thousands of people and talk to them, let me tell you, you would get ready. You'd write something down. You'd probably try to memorize it. You'd probably get comfortable with it. What if you did that with your, your God story? What if you actually processed through the times that God has shown up in your life and been there for you in the middle of a struggle because people are all the time going through struggles. So God, maybe that struggle I went through a couple of years ago, you're actually gonna use that as my testimony to help somebody else look to you in the middle of their journey. Well, if you don't ever prepare, it's gonna be hard for him to use you. If you never take the time to write it down and get familiar with it, maybe practice it on a friend. Pray and prepare. And I believe that as we as a church, along with all the churches around Florida that are, that are focused on these same scriptures, as we wake up to the greatest responsibility we have, we could actually awaken this region to the presence and the power of God like never before. I'm believing that we would see many that would come to faith and personal walk and relationship with Jesus Christ, but it starts with one, you and me, taking responsibility to share our faith and our love. I'm gonna pray two prayers today. I wanna pray the first prayer for a spirit of boldness to get on our church like never before. Christ Fellowship, come on, let's be filled with the spirit. Let's be bold. Let's be ready this week. You prepare and be ready. Second prayer I wanna pray for those of you as we've been talking about this life that God wants to give us that, that you're like, I need that life. I need that grace in my life. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer to have that. Would you bow your heads as we pray together? Father God, I wanna thank you for your word that reminds us of what you said. And Jesus, it was you that said that the same mission that the Father gave you, you now give to us. That as you were sent, these are the words of Jesus, as you were sent, we are now sent. So I pray, Lord, for a spirit of boldness to get on us as we walk in that. That we would walk in your spirit, that you would put a burden on our heart for the, the two or three people in our lives that, that, are, that are far from you right now, that you've actually sovereignly put us there. Just a moment of silence right where you are. Who are those people? Who are those two or three that you know don't know Jesus? You got their names, got their face. Could be a family member, could be a coworker, a neighbor. I want you to pray every day for those people. And I want you to pray every day that God would open up a door for you to speak to them about Jesus. Every day, we're gonna pray. As we continue to pray, if you're here today and you would say, Todd, that second prayer is for me. I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to get things right. I need the hope and the peace and, and the joy and the purpose that you were talking about. My friend, it comes as you just open your life up to him and say, Jesus, come in and be Lord of my life. And if you want him to do that today, if you need him to step in and make everything new on the inside of you, right where you are, if you would say, Todd, include me in this second prayer, would you just hold your hand up all across all the rooms? Hold him up high. Let me see it. And I want you to keep your hands up as we pray. We're all gonna pray this together, but those of you with your hands up, this is your prayer. Pray this after me. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new person from the inside out. Fill me with your joy. Give me your peace. And I will follow you the best I know how for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, help me thank God for those that made that decision today.
Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.